the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I do love the stock market stories every single day. To me, it's better than learning a little bit. Well, I'd rather listen to Harry Styles and read about Harry Styles. I'd rather not watch the Kardashians or hear about the Kardashians. So I like the stock market. It's an area that I can hide in, so to speak. Anything you ever want to talk about, we can talk about what's happening in the stock market and why. How to get to retirement. How big of a problem is inflation? Are we making too much out of it? How much of it is transitory? Or is transitory just a stupid word from now on? I kind of think transitory is going to be a stupid word. I get the feeling we're going to demonize that one. So we got a mixed stock market open. Treasury yields continue to push higher following better than expected housing starts and building permits for March. Okay, so the good news is bad news. Have you ever felt that in life? The good news is things are okay in our economy. The good news is we're getting COVID behind us. The bad news is that causes interest rates to creep higher and borrowing costs to creep higher. I'm seeing all stocks start from mixed to moving higher. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Um, I find their work interesting. I don't find it, uh, I'm not going to say it's my, my North Star, but it doesn't hurt to know. The International Monetary Fund said that the global economic recovery will slow significantly this year due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So that's where bad news is bad news. But maybe the growth slowing out of Russia, Ukraine, and how it trickles to the rest of the world will slow some of the hot growth coming out of COVID. Where honestly, I just spent man, maybe 60% more on a family vacation than I would want it to. And ideally, I would like the ability to say, hey, guys, you can't gouge me. I'll go to a different country or a different location or a different hotel. Keep your prices competitive. Don't gouge. Hotel rooms were running for $1,400 a night for two double beds. That's not gouging, but that's really taking advantage of someone. I think gouging, for the record, has to have something due to like a hurricane. That's when I see it. Well, maybe you could call the pandemic a hurricane, right? But the International Monetary Fund said that the global economic recovery is going to slow significantly this year. So there's some growth slowing, offsetting some of the growth expansion coming out of COVID. The United States is particularly well positioned, all things considered, to handle Russia, Ukraine. We can handle our own energy needs, oil and gas. We have consumers that are pent up. We rely basically on ourselves for food if we need to. We are not one small country that has to outsource their whole lifestyle to 10 different countries. Ah, you're going to handle the oil for us, Morris. And Dimitri, you're going to handle the uh, weapons for us. And uh, Johnson, you're in charge of getting the wheat. 
different countries. I don't know you're saying who's Boris, Dimitri, and Johnson. Are they countries or are you just like, have you bumped your head? Maybe a little bit of both. So we're, we're okay. I'm not freaked out about where we are. With that said, there's a lot of hand-wringing about it. With that said, there's a lot of talk about it. And there's nervousness. I looked at my portfolio yesterday for the year, and I'm like, eh, okay. And then I looked at it on a two-year basis. I'm like, hey, I'm stoked. Then I looked at it on a three-year basis. I'm like, woohoo! So what's your perspective? U.S. housing starts unexpectedly rose in March. Stocks are rising as investors are just digesting more news. Crude oil down a little bit today. It's at 104. I'm not ready to draw a line in the sand that says oil under 100 is great. Oil over 100 is sad. Wall Street kind of does a little bit of that, though. Gold's just a skosh under 2,000. 10-year treasury bonds, it's 2.91%. Wow. Here is the financial nerd in me. I did not see that coming. Have you ever watched the last 10 minutes of a movie and went, that was the greatest last 10 minutes of a movie? And one thing you could do is Google movies with great last minute endings. And what you come up with is, I don't know. (laughs) But the blowing away, like the crying game, where you're like, ooh. I kind of had a clue, but I didn't have a clue at all. Uh, those are the ones that I really, really like. Uncut Gems had a fantastic ending. ending. And I hope that's not a spoiler alert. I hope you're like, ah, I was going to get to that tonight. I hope it doesn't have a bad ending. The Good, the Bad, the Ugly 7, where Brad Pitt starts that scene, and he starts talking for about 10 minutes, and it takes uh, him through a roller coaster of emotions disbelief, pain, anger, and then just a massive breakdown. And you're like, Brad Pitt was a pretty good actor at one point. The usual suspects, I think. So great endings are wonderful, right? Okay. I think I've made my point. So the 10-year treasury, I didn't see this one coming. Um, we knew inflation was a problem. We knew that the Federal Reserve messed it up. And then mother, mother, Jesus, what happened there? It starts, oh, at 1.7 back in February. Let's go back to December 27th, kind of like the last day of the market of 2021. And what you're seeing is it was at 1.5. Now it's at almost 3, 2.9. That's amazing. It doesn't mean your mortgage is double, but it's an exponentially move higher. So when we go from like 4.75 on interest rates to five and a quarter, you barely notice. But this is big. It's changed the cost of borrowing biggie. There used to be an adult magazine. I'm not going to say what the word was, but it was big something. Rhymes, eh, I can say big ones. It could have been about guns for all I know. So you know who I'm interested in seeing tonight? That would be Netflix. Not because I'm going to watch anything on it, because I've already spoiled all the great movies for you. And not because uh, $5.99 a month for a subscription to PBS Masterpiece hasn't started adding up in my family. But CNN Plus, pull it in what? How many? It's got below 10,000 viewers a day. Launch budget of $250 million. 
subscriptions, 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 subscriptions. Taco Bell, Ask Airlines, Sweet Greens. Everyone has a subscription. And ultimately, we're dying by a thousand cuts at this point in time. We're hating it. More companies are trying to introduce subscription. You and I are trying to cancel them, finding a little piece in the middle. Cutting the cord was the start of it, but we've been oversubscribed to. And now we're learning what subscription fatigue really, really is. Fear of rising interest rates? Not so much today. The interest rates are doing what the Federal Reserve needs to do, moving aggressively to fight inflation. They're kind of doing the work and the job. Hats off to them. We'll talk more. When I come back, we'll take a break. Rob Black and your money. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. These are the days you will remember. These are sweet days, all things considered. I promise. Everything's pretty warm right now. It's pretty good. It's not so bad. Um, these aren't bad times. I, I, okay, if you're in Ukraine, it's a bad time. But the world's doing pretty good, economically speaking. Um, I know there's a lot of haves and have-nots. Maybe I should just shut my mouth, right? Maybe I'm a maniac after all. Um, a BP deal, British Petroleum deal, sent a NASDAQ-listed electric vehicle charging stock surging. Huh. You're like, BP, British Petroleum? Getting into electric vehicle charging for their gas stations? That makes kind of an interesting angle of adding on to your business. A couple of months ago, we talked about, uh, was it the city of Petaluma in California said, one of the cities, maybe it might've been Nevada, but I think it was Petaluma. They said something along the lines of, we're not going to take any more gas station permits. If you want to build up a gas station, not going to happen anymore. And Petaluma is just right in between wine country. So it'd be a great place to add another gas station in between San Francisco and, and Napa. So a uh, place to stop, place to grab food, a bite to eat. I get, you know, the concept of throwing out a gas station there. But British Petroleum has entered a multi-year contract related to the supply of electric vehicle chargers. And the latest example of how energy majors are looking to submit their position in the market. They have a lot of the real estate. <clears throat> Look at your gas station that is a national uh, endeavor. Exxon. Why not turn some of those uh, lines into charging stations? <laughs> you know, maybe there's not an investment angle there yet. That's where I'm, I'm having a problem. We are going to hear more and more in the coming weeks and the coming months about how electric vehicles are going to have a big problem with supply. It feels as if how do we say this? It feels that though we've woken up and said, yeah, I, my next car will be an electric vehicle after all. And if everyone does that, we don't have the grid to support it yet. So there's a little bit of a gold rush going on. Netflix subscriber growth numbers are going to come into focus tonight after market. If you've never done this, I highly recommend watching Bloomberg television or CNBC tonight. Uh, one fifteen to one forty-five Pacific Standard Time. 
and see what they have to say about Netflix and the, the commentary coming out of Reed Hastings. It, it's usually worth the, the effort, in my opinion. Gold has pulled back from a five-week high as dollar edge is even higher. Oh, and if you can get on that conference call with Netflix, I highly recommend it too. Um, so gold is been a big play on inflation recently. And it hasn't really been for much of 2022. It's been okay. And then in April, it started getting hot. So could it have a hot April, May, June, a hot spring, so to speak? Could be. I could see that. First-time homebuyers are simply walking away. Buyers are waiving contingencies to beat all cash offers. I did that, and I'll tell you what, easily a $100,000 mistake in my life. The good news is I can afford that. And the good news is since I've done that, people have continued to bid up real estate around my home, so more than covering the cost of that. But if I didn't have that extra 100000 laying around to fix a heater, that was original. I was like, I'll wave the contingencies. And they're like, you don't even want to see the, heat, the heater? I'm like, no, just wave it. How bad could it be? And it's like, oh, it's that bad. Don't wave contingencies. Well, no, no. We're in a market where you have to wave contingencies if you want to beat all cash offers. Yep. Earnings season. Man, I love earnings season. I get a little bit more tired, a little bit more cranky because I'm like, just one more conference call. Last night, I was finishing up my tax extensions. And one of the things I did was like, I was like, can I get one more conference call in before I have to go up and have a cold dinner? Johnson Johnson reported first quarter earnings adjusted of two bucks and 67 cents. Slightly above expectations. Isn't that amazing? A company 90 days ago or 100 days ago could say, we're going to earn X amount of dollars. It's going to be four point. Well, it's going to be 23.6 billion that we're going to do in sales. And you're like, how do they? And then it turns out to be 26.4 billion. You're like, that's good. They're good. They're good. Projecting how many people are going to buy Band-Aids and baby powder. It tells you there's some manipulation in it. It tells you there's some um, engineering. Isn't it interesting? Johnson & Johnson manipulates their earnings. You're like, oh, that sounds bad. Johnson & Johnson financially engineered a perfect quarter. Oh, that sounds okay. I like Johnson & Johnson as something that just calms the hell down in your portfolio. Sometimes you get in some tech stocks and you're like, oh, I'm getting an Airbnb. And like, oh, the news on Airbnb is bad. And you feel like you just put your hand in hot grease. And the grease is firing around all your fingers and it's jumping up your skin. It's like, ah! But at Johnson Johnson, it's like, ah, oh, that feels kind of good. That feels kind of good. It's a nice way of cutting some volatility in your portfolio. If that's where you want to go. It's a little broker rise for taking action on your expansion ever. I talked with my financial planner yesterday at EP Brad. Talked about taxes, talked about better cash management. I had a hectic year last year moving and um, downsizing my accounts, kind of consolidating some things. And I was like, can I find out how many checking accounts I have linked to brokerage accounts? Because I only need one. And he gets back to me and he's like, let's do a little plan in here. Let's talk about your portfolio. I'm like, okay, okay. For Johnson Johnson, MedTech sales were up 8.6% in the first quarter. Medical devices dropped from 6.5 billion in the first quarter to 5.9 billion. So that division has taken a hit during the pandemic as hospitals and patients have delayed elective procedures. 
my spouse asked me if uh, I had my colonoscopy this year or in the past year. I'm like, nah, I did, did a little poop smear one that they give you. And she's like, is that good enough? I'm like, good enough for this year. I'll go get the, I'm not even talk about it because there's no way I can't just be angry at the whole process. Pharmaceutical sales for Johnson Johnson were up 9.3%. So on one hand, they're losing medical devices. On the other hand, they're gaining pharmaceutical sales. They've got a cancer drug called Darzalax. They've got a drug Stellara, which treats ulcerative colitis. Have you heard the commercials on ulcerative colitis? I have. They've got a psoriasis drug. They've got drugs, 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 drugs in the pipeline. They also have a little bit of an issue with China, a lockdown, and China uses a lot of their products. Not a sexy company, but a solid company. Are you going to buy it where years it just drives you crazy because it doesn't move? You're like, you're going to look at it every day and it's going to be like sand. It's like, oh, it's still there. It's a turtle. Oh, he's still in the front yard. It's consistent. And then one day you're going to wake up and that turtle's going to be gone a little bit higher. You'll be happy. Consult a broker advisor. We're taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. Adam Phillips, he is a CFA and a CFP, Director of EP Portfolios Strategy, EP Wealth Portfolio Strategy. Real critical role in understanding where we're going and why we're getting there. Let's take a look at how the stock market has done this year as we're middle of April and we're starting to get through about a third plus of the year almost. The Nasdaq's down 14% for the year. S&P 500 down 7% roughly. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 5%. Of note, Walmart's up 8.5%. Not exactly a sexy growth stock, but when inflation hits and consumers get a little tired in their wallet, the stock seems to outperform. Adam, what are you thinking about the stock markets and the winners and losers inside the stock market this year? Well, it's interesting. You, you touched on Walmart, but I think the broader story there is this focus uh, on these defensive names and defensive sectors. I, I think the, the first standout that we see is energy. We know energy stocks have just continued to perform quite well in absolute terms and relative to the, the broad market. Uh, energy sector is up about 40% year to date. Um, but, uh, but coming in, in in second place, third place out of 11 sectors total are things like consumer staples. These companies were uh, or sectors where companies like Walmart can be found, also utility companies. And so it's a very different environment, I would say, in, in terms of leadership than we've seen in the last few years, where it's really been dominated by more of these uh, tech or, or growth heavy companies. And so we're seeing a shift. We're seeing this rotation. I think what it tells us is that we we want to... I would say remain uh, cautious or, or that volatility that we saw uh, just uh, over the last couple of months, we probably aren't done with it yet. I think we've, we've seen a little bit of a retracement here 
Uh, and, and I guess the question is, where do we go from here? I, our our longer-term outlook remains favorable, but over the short term here, I, I think what we like to do is look in terms of leadership and what the broad market is telling us. And I'd say that it, as these names in the more defensive or conservative categories uh, of, the, uh, of the stock market are performing a little bit better, maybe it tells us we're not quite out of the woods yet. Okay, let's take a, a big pause here and kind of digest what we've seen this year. We've seen a lot of focus on inflation. We've seen a lot of focus on the Federal Reserve and how they're going to work with inflation. But for the next two weeks, we get earnings season. It's a three-week period. We're through about one week with big financials starting us off. How do you expect earnings season to play out? Is it going to be enough of a catalyst up or down or too early to tell at this point in time? I would say it's too early to tell. I, I think we're all uh, you know, hoping for the best, uh, for sure. I, 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 as far as what the expectations are just going into earnings season, we're only about, I'd say, around 10% of the way through earnings season. You mentioned the financials that reported last week. It's really going to get underway here in uh, this week and in the next couple of weeks here. But what I would say is that we're really waiting to hear from management as far as not just what happened in the most recent quarter, but what they see going forward. How much are these uh, price and inflationary pressures impacting their bottom lines? Are they, are, are they going to absorb these cost pressures or go, are they going to try to pass them on to their consumers, to their customers? And so I think we're really waiting to, to see how this all goes in terms of what the market is expecting looking at about five or six percent earnings growth that's year over year so the what we would what would be the weakest since early 2020 so pretty underwhelming i would say even though it's it's positive it's single digit growth compared to what we've seen the, the most uh, over recent quarters it's uh, not not much to to write home about so i would say that uh, it's not necessarily going to be a catalyst but i think it can easily turn the wrong directions so that's what we want to keep an eye on um, you know are our companies experiencing cost pressures and is that going to cause these downward revisions to future earnings uh, to future quarters uh, in terms of uh, earnings growth or where we're actually going to see some some earnings hit i think that's the negative uh, scenario the least favorable scenario that that we're uh, that we're looking at right now I think what we're all hoping for, though, is that these co uh, companies are going to sustain these elevated price uh, 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 price levels and, and these ongoing inflationary pressures. We all know that they're going on. We know that supply chain uh, issues are still going on. And so there, there's no surprise there. And I think that if it's uh, it's kind of a slow and steady theme, then, then I think we're going to be OK with that. But uh, it, it all remains to be seen. It's interesting now it's all working together. I like earnings season because it's kind of a report card and getting in on the conference calls. Sometimes we could hear what we want, but I highly, highly endorse listening to a conference call if you never have. And I know you have. Um, let's stay with uh, what's happening as themes this year. We know inflation is a theme. We know the Federal Reserve is the theme. We know that they've raised interest rates. The higher interest rates have now moved mortgage costs to over 5%. Um, a year ago, I got a mortgage roughly at two and a half, two and three quarters. So that's a big move in one year. Housing data comes out this week in economic data. Um, what, what can we expect? Yeah, well, I, I think that we're going to start seeing these uh, these pressures on the housing market. I think it would be it's potentially going a step too far to say that we're that we're in for a housing crisis where this bubble is going to burst. We've seen home prices rise at twenty percent twenty percent clips here. We know that's not sustainable, but I think that we also need to look at the fact that supply and demand dynamic uh, remains quite favorable. And I think that's going to support home prices, even though we know that these recent gains aren't sustainable. 
I think there's a difference between expecting a crash and expecting a little bit of a slowdown here in normalization. I think that's what we're going to see. What mortgage rates do is unfortunately it, it makes that the problem around home affordability uh, caused by elevated prices that much harder, right? Um, you know, people that have been, they, they've been outbid uh, for, for months now or weeks or months. Now, all of a sudden, they're, they can't look at that same home they were looking at maybe a couple months ago, because if you, if you factor in the higher mortgage price and they're no longer locked in, that means they might not be able to afford it anymore. So I think that's you know, one of the, some of the real consequences here. But is that enough to severely slow down the real estate market? I don't think so, because we know that inventory is still so light. So in terms of what we're going to see from the housing data this week, I, I'd expect to see some signs of, uh, of a little bit of a pullback here, a slowdown. I, I would think that's going to continue here in the coming months, but uh, I think it's really more of just a return to normal uh, and, and uh, you know, probably a healthy, healthy correction here. Let me ask a theory question. <clears throat> housing wealth, stock market wealth, income wealth, there's different types of way of looking at it. Um, stock market's down 10% roughly in the NASDAQ for this year, and I feel 10% poor. Um, housing cost, if housing were to go down, would we feel, could that, and the stock market, could it start to snowball or are those non-correlating in your mind? Well, I think it's, I, I think they're, I think they are uh, related, you know, in, in terms of throwing a number at it, in terms of correlation, I, I, I'd probably stop short of doing that, but I think that it is at all, um, speaks to investor sentiment um, and investors are going to uh, vote in terms of where they are investing uh, in, in terms of how they're feeling about not just the economy, but in their everyday situation as well. And so we know a lot of these consumer confidence measures, specifically the University of Michigan consumer sentiment is all about um, financial balance sheets and, uh, and, and how people are feeling about, uh, uh, about their financial circumstances. And so I, I think those are all really tied together. And if we did see a pullback in home values, started to see um, you know, some tightening there in, in terms of uh, personal balance sheets, then I, I would think that, that that could translate to less risk taking in, uh, in the form of investing. So yeah, I mean, I, I would expect a little bit of a spill over there, but uh, probably would stop short, like I said, about uh, quantifying that one. You and I live in two of the more expensive real estate areas of the world. And I could tell you now is a little different than it was in 2000, which led to the 2006 real estate correction, where in 2000, it was stock market gains, people buying houses, very speculative loans in the mortgage industry, liar loans, things like that. We should weather this pretty well. Again, not correlating it, not over extrapolating. I'm just, that's kind of antidotal. But like you said, it does play into some psychology. Is there yeah. anything else that you're working on right now, or do you want to add another thought to housing and real estate? Well, I mean, just that, just that one point there uh, is, uh, is, is it's a great one. When over the last several months, we've heard some people talk about a housing bubble um, and, and just as they're looking at the fact that home prices are up 20% year over year and they can, we know they cannot sustain that. But what I like to look at is you compare this to what was going on before the, the, the housing bubble um, and kind of the lead up to the housing bubble, which was 2005, 2006. What we aren't seeing today is, uh, is people uh, spending beyond their means that they're not buying homes they can't afford because they, the underwriters aren't letting them get into that kind of trouble. We're seeing a lot tighter lending standards. And I think that's, that's really a good thing uh, that, uh, that it's hard to get a loan. I mean, you and I have each uh, recently uh, moved in, in, uh, in the last year or so, and, and we know firsthand how difficult it is and, and what kind of hoops you have to jump through to get a loan. And so I, I think that's a good thing. 
Uh, you know, so so I'd say household balance sheets are are good. We know that the majority of these new mortgage originations are going to individuals with uh, in the higher credit tiers, and so I think these are the, those are all good things, and that and that means that uh, people aren't ex- overextending the way that they were before. Um, so I do take comfort in that. Adam Phillips, he is a CFA and a CFP director of EP Portfolios Strategy. Find us at robblackshow.com. RobBlackShow.com. So I just played an interview with you with Adam Phillips. I'll try to do that every Tuesday on this show. Wednesdays we get briefing.com, which I think is 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 exciting, good, insightful stuff. As you can tell, I'm I'm I love what I do. Adam's a good guy as well. That's the best part about it. When I got into this industry 20, 25 years ago, I was like, everyone's an a-hole. I don't like them. They're jerks, they're not nice people. They're all neat Yorkie, dress in an Italian suit, have it marble floors. And I only work with people I actually like now. And that's actually a blessing that's like, you cannot, you cannot push that hard enough. So Netflix reports tonight. And although I'm waiting for Ozarks later this month, only because it's a bad soap opera. It's breaking bad in the South. I don't know. It's, it's not that crazy of a show, but I'll watch it. Sure. <clears throat> I want to hear what happens to the family, how they get out of it. But more importantly tonight, I'm more interested in what Netflix has to say about subscription fatigue. Do you have this? <clears throat> I could write a prescription for it. Go out and play in the sun. Kiss a girl. Go on a walk in a park. Um, yeah, I've started looking at our subscriptions and... <laughs> I, I have a project this weekend where I'm going to you know, track down everything I can and cut, 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 cut. Because during COVID, we got a little bit lazy of, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's that. We want to watch that, 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 that one on Peacock tonight. I was like, well, we better get a subscription to Peacock. And then there's like, oh, have you heard about that new show? It's got, oh, there's an awful one on Hulu called Spencer. And my spouse likes the royal family, and I'm embarrassed to say that because it's the most embarrassing thing on the planet that she, that yeah, that she like supports this this group of people who, how shall we say, have not been nice to other countries and people of color in the world for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, taking their land and they're um, taxing them. And somehow the royal family hasn't been targeted as we need to take them out, cancel culture. But there was one called Spencer. Get this. It was a fable. So they ter- turn a real person into a fable. So, and what that means is the director was high as a kite when he made it. So you're like, wow, like, why is Diana focusing on a scarecrow in a field? It's like, oh, because the director was high. I know you're saying that's not even the right way to say you're high anymore. Now you're saying you're tripping her. Now you don't even know the lingo, dad. Um, So like, why did I have PBS Masterpiece Theater on my subscription list at $5.99 a month? Something tells me my spouse did it. Um, 35% of Americans have canceled a monthly subscription in the past six months due to inflation and due to fatigue. That's pretty interesting, I think. We see CNN Plus comes out. New streaming service is reportedly getting below 10,000 viewers a day despite its launch budget of $250 million. What's really weird about that one CNN was ran into some problems last year with the Cuomo guy going down for being a little too touchy feely with females in his offices. 
well, he's Italian. He's allowed to do that. No, 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 no. So he goes down. Um, the governor, and then his brother goes down for having a weird source thing on that story. Um, and then the the head of CNN goes down for having basically an open relationship with a married woman while he was married for whatever it was period of time at CNN. Like, you can't discipline your own employees when you're doing it yourself. <laughs> or can you? I guess he could. But he launched, he, want, he had this big idea of CNN Plus. Zucker is considered a mastermind of news programming. <clears throat> and then he gets fired or let go, leaves. And this is his baby, and it launches like without him in the room. That's not good. When you have a baby, dad's supposed to be there. The guy who thought of the idea is supposed to say, come on out, push, push. Okay, we're getting nothing out of this guy. Let's put on that guy. 10,000 viewers a day is not good. And it just tells you launch fatigue. But Taco Bell, Alaska Airlines, Sweet Greens. Uh, why do we need a salad subscription? Oh, I get the Taco Bell. Wall Street loves subscriptions. You know when I learned this? AOL. You've got mail. Yay. We hated that thing because everyone had it. It was a subscription. So I was paying $99 a month. You were paying $9.99 a month. Joe was paying $9.99 a month. And Wall Street loves that. There's no surprises. You know how when I talked about earlier Johnson & Johnson, somehow they managed to say, we're going to make $25.3 billion. And I get it. They know how many shots of vaccines they made they know how much talc powder they made they know how much is in the channel but it is impressive they, they could land that revenue rocket ship right on 25.3 when they said 25.3 it almost sounds illegal but um subscriptions are it subscriptions are, are all that in a bucket of chicken it's it's it takes the guesswork out for analysts like me so Netflix is going to report tonight. We're going to learn a little bit more about cutting the cord. 35% of Americans have canceled a monthly subscription in the past six months. I have. Have you? Do you mind you can get an app that looks through all your banking and billing and figures out what you have subscription to and what you don't? I highly recommend you look at your bank statements on a regular occurrence. Um, I get any alert from credit cards of over $100 sent to my phone. And sometimes I'm like, um, what is this? What is that? And every now and then I've seen a little case of fraud. Usually not, but I'd rather do that during a commercial break while the Giants are playing baseball than how shall we say, I don't know, eat peanuts. I don't know. I'm running out of content for the day. Let's see how we're doing. Um, it was impressive looking early. Stocks are gaining steam as a contrarian mindset has come in. There is a lot of bad news out there with 10-year interest rate jumping. The two-year rate is at 253. The 10-year rate's at 2.91. Building permits data were better than expected in housing. Housing's important because people have jobs, electricians, carpenters, lumber people, painters, paint makers, steel makers, copper makers. Housing's important. It's a big part of our economy, not just the places we live but how we build them. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.